Welcome to day three of our look at Galatians chapter two together. We're going to look at verses 11 to 14 together in just a moment. I just remind you as we begin today, sometimes when we read the Bible, especially the letters of the Bible, these epistles of Paul, we, we forget that the people we're reading about are people. They had to struggle with themselves and their feelings and their relationships, just like you do, just like I do. These verses that we're going to read today are one of those times when those struggles that believers have with one another become very clear, and they give us some ideas about how to handle those times when we have struggles with one another. Let me read for you verses 11 to 14. Paul writes, When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew. Yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Now, as I I read these verses, can you just imagine this conversation with Peter and with Paul, the fisherman, now disciple, now leader of the early church, Peter, and then the former Pharisee, now follower of Jesus and apostle to the Gentiles, Paul, two very powerful men. Imagine this moment in the life of the early church, relationally, and how they were honest enough to work through it. As I read these verses, they hit me personally in three very powerful ways. One, they hit me personally in a reminder of the power of our influence over others. These verses say some men came from James. Remember James, the half-brother of Jesus, leader of the Jerusalem church. And they said, oh, Peter, you shouldn't be eating with the Gentiles. I I know, I know that the Gentiles aren't saved by keeping the Jewish customs, but you're still a Jew, and so we're not supposed to be hanging around the unclean Gentiles. You shouldn't be eating with them, even though they're believers. And Peter bought into it. And then Barnabas bought into it. Now, this group that came, that influenced everybody, is called the circumcision group. Remember that the sign of being Jewish for a man was circumcision. And that the Greeks who were being saved at this time, the non-Jews, had not been circumcised as babies. So the argument of the circumcision group was that they must be circumcised in order to be saved. And Paul is writing, of course not. You don't have to keep the Jewish law to be saved. That's what the Jerusalem council was about in Acts chapter 15. But here they're still still struggling with it. Now, just to buy the way on this, Paul is not speaking here for or against circumcision as a medical practice or even a cultural practice. He's talking about it being a condition of salvation. And he's saying this circumcision group came and they, they influenced Peter and they influenced Barnabas. Barnabas, who'd gone out to preach to the Gentiles, all of a sudden won't eat with the Gentiles. That is the power of our influence over each other. Uh, that's a deep personal reminder to me that if I'm following Christ, I can help someone else. I can encourage someone else. If I'm following my own selfish ways, my own selfish ideas, it's going to hurt someone else. I can say all I want. Oh, it's just my decision. I'm the only one involved. It's simply not true. As believers in Christ, we have a powerful influence over each other. In fact, the second way that these verses hit me was 
how easy it is to slide back into our old ways. Here's Peter, who had taught the early church that the Gentiles were now accepted. Remember, he was the one who went to the house of a guy by the name of Cornelius and accepted the Gentiles into the church. Peter was the one who sat up on the rooftop and had a vision from God that there were certain foods they couldn't eat before that now they could eat. And he went and he taught the church this, and everyone accepted it. They believed it. And now he's sliding back into his old ways. I call these comfortable practices of self-reliance. It is so easy to slide back into these comfortable practices of self-reliance. The habits that I had that made me feel good about myself, good about my relationship with God, good about how good I am. And Peter slid right back into it here. Now, before you get too judgmental against Peter, think of how easily we fall into these traps. Peter relied on the ceremonies and the practices that he'd grown up with. And it was easy for him to go back to those things because he'd grown up with those things. We can do the same thing. It's so easy to slide back into into feelings of judgment about someone else's sin in order to make you feel better about your own sin. And when when was the last time you heard about someone else falling, someone else's sin, maybe a newspaper story, maybe somebody in a small group, maybe somebody in your church, and there was something in you that delighted a little in the fact that they had fallen because it made you feel a little better about yourself. And then maybe you talk to other people about it. And you never admit this to anyone else, but it's one of those comfortable practices of self-reliance. Another one that we easily fall into is this pattern of doing good to make up for the bad. I fall into a sinful pattern in my life, and because I've sinned, I do something good the next day to make up for it. I'm kind to somebody. I'm, I'm kind to my wife. I'm loving to somebody that I might not have been loving to before, and I'm making up for my sin, and I feel better about myself. Well, you can't make up for your sin. Now, it's good to be kind to your wife. It's good to be loving to people. But if the motivator for your kindness, if the motivator for your love is the sin that you committed yesterday, that's another one of those practices of self-reliance. You're relying on yourself to make it better. I could go through a list of a dozen things. We all have our practices, those things that we've done in the past, ways that we go to church, ways that we read the Bible, ways that we treat other believers. And the truth of the matter is, in all of them, I'm relying on myself, myself, to build a better relationship with God rather than relying on Him. The ways these verses hit me were, one, the power of our influence over each other. Two, how easy it is to slide back into old ways. But three, these verses also hit me with the need to confront one another in love. I mean, what if Paul hadn't said anything to Peter? What if he just let it go on? but he did say something. Now, the truth of the matter is, when you and I have to confront someone, no one likes it. No one likes it. But we all need it. We just talked about those comfortable practices of relying on myself. If it's so easy to slide back into those things, how do I stay out of the trap? Well, I can't do it by myself. It's easy to slide in by myself. That's why I have to have people in my life like Paul people who have a broader perspective, people who will speak to me honestly. And then I have to listen to those people, even though I don't want to. I've got to listen to those people. And sometimes I may need to do more than just listen to someone else confronting me. Sometimes I may need to confront someone else. And none of us feel good about that because none of us, none of us are perfect. 
So when I'm confronting someone else, I realize my own sin, I realize my own faults. But you don't confront as someone who's perfect, you confront, you confront as someone who's the same. We all have the same struggles. And so we all need someone to come into our lives from time to time to say, this is not the right direction. If you keep heading down that road, if you keep heading down that road, you're going to lose faith, you're going to lose hope, you're going to lose the opportunity to love other people. You're not going to lose your salvation once you have your relationship with Christ established. That is sure. But you can certainly lose your effectiveness in ministry. You can lose the joy that you need to have in your life. The need to confront one another in love. None of us like to do it. But God needs us to do it. I need it in my life. You need it in your life. Now remember, when we confront, it is done in love. Now it's important to realize that the reason that Paul tells this story to the Galatians, why is he telling them this? Is it because he's prideful that he confronted Peter? No, not at all. He's telling this story to confront the false teachers. They were saying that Peter's gospel was better than Paul's because Peter had gotten his straight from Jesus and Paul had gotten his from Peter. And so Paul writes and says, no, I got it straight from Jesus also. We read about that last week. And Peter's gospel said, by the way, these false teachers, that you have to keep the law to be saved. And Paul says, no, that's not what Peter's gospel says. Peter and I agreed that it didn't say that. Paul says that he got his gospel by revelation as well as Peter did, and he proves that he didn't get it from Peter. And then he says they'd all agreed on the gospel that didn't include the keeping of the law, and then he notes that he even confronted them all when they lived in a way that was opposite to what they'd agreed on. And the confrontation in this case was not for Paul's sake, to make him feel more powerful or to get better position. It, it was for the sake of the gospel, so that the good news wouldn't be confused. And I need to draw a distinction. Sometimes I confront someone else because I've been hurt personally. Well, that's a different kind of confrontation. <laughs> it may be just a relational difficulty. There's other times when I confront someone because I know they're going to be hurt if they continue down the same road. Those are two different kinds of discussions. It's interesting to me that we're more willing to have the first one oftentimes because we want to solve the hurt that's in our heart. But it's the second one that's the most important. Someone heading down a wrong road. It's happened to me many times in life where I've just had this sense, oh, there's something not right here. And there's been too many times in my life where I haven't said anything. And then six months later, a year later, I've discovered, yeah, they were heading down the wrong road. If only I'd said it in time. Maybe there's someone you need to confront right now. Maybe there's a, somebody who's confronting you right now and you need to listen. Jesus Christ, as we take a few minutes to talk to you today, we pray that when we're confronted with the truth, you'd give us humility, humility to listen and humility to change. And even though our first reaction might be to push away, help us to set that aside and instead to listen, to hear. And Jesus, we pray that when you call us to confront someone else, you'd give us humility, humility to realize that none of us are perfect, but that we need to be your voice in that circumstance because we don't want to see that person that we love that family that we love be hurt. Jesus, help us to confront one another in love. In your name we pray, amen.